Oh, they'll fake it. Bates throws it. He's got Gant him. Wide open. He's got Charlie Gant inside the 10. He can walk in. Spartans win. Touchdown, MSU. Whoa, he has trouble with the snap. And the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan Stakes. Jalen wants Jackson. And he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Green and White Noise. My name is Chris Vanini. I am joined by Colton Pouncey. We are your hosts, and it's time to talk some Michigan State football. And we have pretty much nothing but positive things to say, which has uh, not been the case for a long time when talking about uh, Michigan State football. Although there was one big issue I had that we will get to uh, at the end of this. Uh, reminder, this weekly Monday recap pod is free and available on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts, as well as the Athletic app. We also have a weekly episode on Thursday that's only available on the Athletic where we will preview the upcoming game. Uh, there were a number of things we talked about on last week's Thursday pod that, that uh, came to fruition in the Western Michigan game, so check that out. Uh, and please subscribe to The Athletic for that and the best sports writing you will find anywhere. And uh, we appreciate the feedback on this. We appreciate the feedback on the sound issues last week. Something, So I guess sometimes we were too quiet. I think that should be fine moving forward. Uh, also, if you need a Sunday morning recap college football podcast, the Andy Staples Show is available each Sunday morning, talking about what happened the previous day. Uh, this most recent one had a lot of talk about Michigan's escape of Army, and I'm sure there are some people listening to this that would be into that. But we're here to talk Michigan State. And Colton, how's your weekend been, man? Pretty good, my man. Uh, we're officially back in football mode, and I couldn't be happier. Uh, MSU's back playing on Saturdays. The NFL is back. Uh, my fantasy team is already in shambles, but um, all all is right in the world. <laughs> I'm good, my man. Yeah, Antonio Brown and Baker Mayfield are. Uh, it's, it's been a, it's been a roller coaster a couple of days. For Yikes! Me. Yeah, but uh, so Saturday, Michigan State wins fifty-one to seventeen, the best offensive performance for Spartans in quite a long time. Uh, just first, Colton, what is the mood up? They're in East Lansing right now. It's been quite a while since people uh, could feel good about that. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Um, a subscriber actually you know, commented on my story from the game and said this was probably the, the first stress-free Michigan State game he's seen in a while. Um, I sort of laughed when I read that because he's not wrong. Um, you know, pretty much every game last year had some sort of drama or you know, was close going to the fourth quarter or you know, an opposing team pulled away. Um, and obviously, people were, were stressed over the offense last week. Um, you know, you can't score one offensive touchdown after, you know, eight or nine months of preparing for that game and, and expect people to be okay with that. Um, but I think a game like this, you know, especially when Mark D'Antonio called out his offense and, and wanted to see more, this is exactly what you want to see. Um, you know, a 51-point effort. Uh, I believe that's the most points scored in the game since 2015. Um, you know, I... I'm pretty sure fans left the stadium uh, satisfied with that effort and, and maybe hopeful that the team could, you know, build off of that and maybe found some pieces to work with going forward. Yeah, so, so you were obviously there. I had a little trouble watching the game. I was at the SMU North Texas game, and I did not expect Michigan State to score more than the teams in that game. Uh, yep. SMU, SMU 149-27. <laughs> but the Wi-Fi was really bad in the press box, and it was kind of a problem. Uh, so it was kind of hard to follow everything. I did watch most of the game on my phone as it was going on, and then I watched the rest of it uh, 
Sunday morning. So I didn't watch it all chronologically, but from what I, but uh, the way it pieced together, it looked like it was a game that could have been closer early than it was. You know, Western Michigan throws two interceptions. They missed two field goals. Uh, Colton, what did you think of the game, how it played out? Uh, it was really 51-10 until, until, a, until, a, until a touchdown at the end. But, but was this a game you think Michigan State was pretty comfortable from beginning to end? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, honestly, just, just from watching the press box, it was kind of a blur. <laughs> um, I'm so used to saying, like, maybe one or two offensive touchdowns a game. So <laughs> <laughs> it was actually challenging to keep up with so many uh, on Saturday night. But that's obviously a good thing for MSU. Um, you know, I liked how the team came out firing from the jump um, with a shot to Daryl Stewart for 33 yards. Uh, that, that was intentional. Brad Salem, uh, he wanted to start off a game with, with a big play like that after – you know, calling a pretty conservative game plan last week. Um, so he drew something up for Daryl Stewart and, and Brian Lewerke, and, and they connected for a huge game, huge gain to start the game. Um, and then the very next play, you get a 29-yard rush from Elijah Collins, who takes advantage of a huge lane created by the offensive line. And, you know, that was kind of the beginning of this, you know, breakout game and, and a career night for him early in his young career. So back-to-back plays of 20, 20 more yards to start the game um, after only two plays of 20 more yards last week against Tulsa that that's exactly how you want to start for game and you know I think that opening drive kind of set the tone for what was to come and and everything kind of came together from there on out yeah obviously the big story of this game is the offense there are plenty of positives to point to uh biggest brightest sign for the offense I guess we'll start for me it's what you just said it's the explosive plays it's it's explosive plays in the running game explosive plays in the passing game right off the bat that was the biggest that was the biggest problem that is what has been a problem for a long time with this team is that they can only get down the field putting together 10 to 15 play drives and that was not the case in this one Daryl Stewart had a number of big catches uh uh, so I I think that was the biggest positive for MSU that they were able to get those explosive plays a lot of the guys were wide open and and I think there's a credit to, I guess, receivers for getting open and Lewerke for finding them and also maybe some problems with the Western Michigan defense that uh, has its probably its best receiver actually playing full-time cornerback. But I, I, to me, explosive plays were, were the most positive sign for the offense coming into, uh, coming out of the game. Colton, what about you? Um, for me, I think it was the offensive line. Uh, man, they, they really shut us up. <laughs> maybe they listened to the pod. Um, uh, Jordan Reed had a hope so. Yeah, Jordan Reed had a, had a bounce back game at right tackle after after kind of getting roughed up last week. Um, you know, Brad Salem kind of seemed to spread things out a little bit more and use more of that zone blocking scheme, which honestly fits the personnel of the offensive line better, in my opinion. Um, and you know, all along we said this was the group that needs to improve. Um, otherwise, nothing else mattered. You can get you know a healthy Lewerke back. You can get you know, a talented group of receivers and maybe a running back steps up. But if that offensive line wasn't there to create holes or, or, or didn't show much improvement, then I think it all would have been wasted. So, you know, it was important to see those lanes created. And, you know, they won the trenches. They won their, their one-on-one battles. And they probably played their best game in, in a year. Maybe this specific group, their best game together since they've been at Michigan State. So I think it was really important to see an effort like that from the offensive line. Yeah, uh, Western Michigan only had – three tackles for loss. They didn't have a single sack. Uh, so that is a credit to the line. And Elijah Collins, the running back, didn't have a single run for negative yards. And I, I think 
as we move on to him, he was obviously the player of the game, 17 carries, 192 yards, had a 58-yard run. Uh, we both said after week one that he showed some bright spots, and we thought that he should get some more playing time, and he did, and, and he got the most carries on the team, and they seemed to know what they had with him. He started the game, so I think that's a positive adjustment there if you're looking to credit the coaching staff with uh, some other things. And, and uh, yeah, Colton, what did you make of – Collins' breakout, uh, really breakout performance. I think what you saw from Elijah Collins was a running back who grew up playing running back. Um, This wasn't an athlete forced to play running back. This wasn't a quarterback who ran the ball a lot in high school. You know, this is a pure running back who has all the things you look for in a lead guy. Um, The vision, the ability to cut back, a guy who can break tackles and and pull away from defenders. And, you know, you mentioned it, 192 yards on, on 17 carries. I believe that's the most yards by a freshman running back at MSU since Javon Ringer in 2005. Yeah. Yeah. The most by a starter. He was two yards short of Javon Ringer, who technically came off the bench, and that's the freshman record. Right. And, and this is his first career start. You know, like, that, that's, that's impressive. This is his first time being the guy, and that's the effort that he delivered. And, um, you know, D'Antonio sat down with, with Collins Wednesday night and, and told him he would be the starter for this game. Um you know, he told Collins that the staff thought that he could be their guy, and, and I think he proved them right on Saturday. So I look for him to, to really take control of this running back group. I, you know, I know they go hot hand sometimes, but he's the hot hand right now, and he's I, I don't see anyone else taking this job from him anytime soon. He's the hot hand except for inside the five-yard line, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know one of them was after his 58-yard run, and – Maybe he's tired. Maybe he's not. I don't know. if I, I guess they think Ladarius Jefferson is the goal line back. He had five carries for nine yards and two touchdowns. And obviously only nine yards, but that's because he had to stop at the end zone. Um, but he, he, I mean, Collins, just he looks like a complete back. He's got the speed on that 58-yard uh, yard run. He hits a hole right up the middle. He's got enough wiggle and strength where three Western Michigan defenders bounces off, bounce off him. He's got great vision. He can find the hole. He knows how to follow his blockers. And he reminds me, he reminds me of Le'Veon Bell in the sense that he never gets, I mean, it's early, but he has, he doesn't really get hit straight on. You never really get a clean shot and tackle him. He has enough like subtle wiggle to him that you're always just missing like the key spot to tackle him. And so he's able to fall forward every time he's able to break a tackle. Uh, and, and, and Le'Veon Bell, I think his vision was, is one of his best traits as a running back. So I think that was obviously one of the biggest, uh, obviously the story of the game is, is what Elijah Collins did. And I, I it's, it's, it's been a while since MSU I think had a, had a, game-changing explosive back like that probably jeremy langford back in 2013 2014 Uh, lj scott had some big games but uh uh, i i think collins looks like a much faster running back uh elsewhere in the backfield anthony williams six carries 35 yards connor haywood only three carries 13 yards although he was used in the slot in the passing game what colton what did you make of the rest of the running backs and uh is it safe to say that this is Collins is the, the top guy moving forward. I think so. I, I think what we saw last night was, I think, some, some roles starting to be defined, um, which when you look at the running back position, obviously you can't have you know three to four lead guys, so you're going to have to try to find different roles for different guys. Um, Ladarius Jefferson seemed like the short yardage, you know, red zone back. That's where he got most of his work. 
just and real quick on that, you got to get Elijah Collins one of those touchdowns, man. <laughs> he put up 192 yards and didn't score. You got you got to get that man the ball at some point, especially after last week when he got his touchdown called back. Um, I think he'll get him one of these days. But yeah, so Ladarius Jefferson is kind of the, the short yardage back. Um, uh, Connor Hayward, I, I'll, I'm I'm kind of wondering what his role is going to be going forward. Um, you know, they moved him out to the slot and he had a really nice catch on, on a slant route. Um, you know. Maybe that's that's a spot for him moving forward. Just just a guy that can be a third down back. You can flex him out wide and and you know take advantage of his versatility. But you know I I kind of wonder how many carries he'll get going forward or, or what his role will be. But um, and then you got a guy like Anthony Williams who you know he's banged up last week. He didn't play, but he impressed a lot of guys in the spring. And you know he had six carries for thirty five yards in this game and, and kind of mop up duty and. You know, maybe he's he's a guy that can work his way into the, the rotation a little bit and and make a name for himself. So I I think you're feeling a lot better about this running back position than he did um, even a couple weeks ago before the season, um, especially with Elijah Collins leading the way. Yeah, to, to, I mean, just again to find an explosive running back is something this team hasn't really had in, in a long time, and it's only been two games, but uh, Collins is, is showing uh, that he has the traits that you need, uh, in the passing game, it was solid from the 23 for 32, 314 yards, three touchdowns, uh, a pretty bad interception that he kind of threw across his body that got tipped. Daryl Stewart, 10 catches, 185 yards, one touchdown. Cody White, five catches, 63 yards, a touchdown. CJ Hayes, CJ Hayes actually had three catches for 31 yards. So uh, when I look at the passing game and what happened, what stood out to me mostly was Guys that got open, um, that was something that D'Antonio called receivers out for last week, saying guys that were not running routes as, as hard as they should. And, again, it's Western Michigan's defense, but but simply getting guys open has been a was a major problem against Tulsa. So the fact that they got open against Western Michigan is a positive sign. And then also I think Lewerke kind of found his go-to plays again. We talked about this last week. Two years ago, it was Daryl Stewart in the slot on a slant. When you needed when you needed a completion, that was your play. Last year, it was a fade up to throw it up to Felton Davis. This game, it seemed like they went back to Daryl Stewart in the slot, running a slant as the go-to play. And uh, he has really good hands, and he made some really good catches uh, in that in that Western Michigan game. So I think if if they have that. Uh, Again, have that go-to play for Lewerke is something they need for everybody to feel comfortable uh, moving forward. Colton, what stood out to you about the passing game? Yeah, I, I just thought this was a you know really important game for Lewerke. Um, you know, I thought he I thought he played okay last week. Uh, just he was kind of taking what the defense gave him against Tulsa, and you know we mentioned this before, but they were dropping guys back and it kind of made things tough to take those downfield shots. But I thought in this game he looked really sharp. Um, you know, obviously he had the interception, which you might want to just throw that away or don't force it. But other than that, he's pretty solid. Um, you know, after the game, he said that this is probably the most accomplished he's felt um, in a game since that late game comeback win over Penn State a year ago, which was also the same game that, that he sh- he hurt his shoulder. So I think it was important to see a game like this. And obviously, you know, Western Michigan secondary isn't no fly zone, but Lewerke picked it apart and, and found guys who were open and that's going to be his job in this offense, uh, distributing the ball to his playmakers. Um, he pushed the ball downfield. He had a nice read to Matt Dotson for the early touchdown. Um, you know, he found Cody White in the end zone, and he really showed his chemistry with, with Daryl Stewart. So I, I think that was a much-needed game for him and a much-needed game for this offense. 
I, th- I think the biggest issue with the working in the game was his accuracy was a bit off. I mean, the, the deep pass to Daryl Stewart was behind him. The pass to Cody White in the, the touchdown was low. Um, he, he just, he didn't, you know, he got it in the right area, but not in the, not as tight as you'd want to watch, as you'd want it if there was, say, more defenders on there. But, again, guys were open and he found the guys and that had been a problem um, otherwise. Uh, one last thing, kind of on offense, Kind of on special teams, uh, Jalen Naylor, uh, Colton, what is the latest with him? Yeah, so D'Antonio said after the game that Jalen Naylor has a lower leg injury. Uh, we're using NHL terms, I guess. Um, but, you know, obviously it was reported earlier this week, uh, I believe Graham Couch had it first, that uh, Naylor broke his leg, or broke his foot, sorry. Um, and, you know, he's going to miss some time. But I think the good news is that D'Antonio said um, – he expects Naylor back at some point this season, um, so it's not not a total loss. Uh, they're certainly going to miss what he can do and, and the things that he can bring to this offense, but um, I, th- I think wide receiver is one area where you can kind of overcome an injury like that as, as long as not every guy is going out like last year. Um, but I think they have enough pieces. You know, We'll see Julian Barnett a little bit. CJ Hayes got in there. I was kind of surprised Luis Nelson didn't get some more, some more snaps, but maybe he can be worked in as, as the season progresses. But, you know, yeah, it, it it sucks losing Naylor, but I think they're well equipped to kind of handle his loss until he can he can make his way back. He is the most valuable jet sweep weapon, absolutely. And so we may see fewer jet sweeps moving forward. That's what that's what um, Brian Lewerke said. <laughs> He's our jet sweep guy, so <laughs> um, yeah, they're gonna have to replace him. But you know, maybe we just won't see as many jet sweeps, which I'm sure the fan base wouldn't have a problem with. <laughs> so defensively. Uh, kind of a depending on how you look at it interesting performance yeah it was 10 points until the very end but also again there was an interception in the end zone there were two missed field goals MSU gave up 5.2 yards per play only 2.5 per rush but 7 7 yards per pass from John Wasink who uh, who is a solid quarterback and has a group of brand new receivers uh, are, are there any uh concerns or questions you 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 take from this game uh, about the defense moving forward um not not really um yeah it was, it was a bit of an off night but if an off night is is giving up you know 17 points and 66 67 rushing yards um i think you're going to be okay especially when the second team defense was responsible for a lot of those points and yards so I, I think this defense is allowed to look human every now and then you know they did give up some plays that I'm sure Mike Tressel won't be happy with, you know, reviewing the film. But it is nice to have an offensive performance like this to kind of, you know, keep those guys fresh and, and keep their mindsets right. You don't want to, you know, revert back to last year where they're giving up, you know, nine points in a game, six points in a game and, and still losing. Um, so I, I think an offensive performance like this actually, you know, helped them out and gave them some confidence moving forward. You know, that's something Joe Bocci talked about. Kenny Wilkes said the same thing. So, yeah, it wasn't a perfect night for them, but they'll take this win any day of the week. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, and and you can you can't expect negative seventy rushing yards every game. And and, and Western Michigan has a good running back, uh, and the fact that they were able to hold that in check is uh, uh, pretty well in check is is certainly still a positive on that side of the ball. So let's go into our weekly awards. There is a change. After some feedback, but first, the Le- the Le'Veon Bell. How did he do that play of the game? 
Uh, I think we both agree it. Well, maybe we don't, but my, my choice is, is Elijah Collins' 58-yard run. Again, he, he'd go straight up the middle, and I, I just, right before we recorded, I, I tweeted in, uh, a picture of it. Uh, but he's basically surrounded by three Western Michigan guys, and he just runs straight. Two guys bounce off him. The third guy bounces off of him, and, and off he goes. So uh, I said, actually, I said earlier a couple minutes ago that Collins reminded me of Le'Veon Bell because of the way he's able to wiggle a little bit and not take a straight on hit and uh so yeah he gets the levy on bell how did he do that play of the game from me do you have uh, is that yours or do you have something else that's mine too you know i was really impressed with you know collins ability to you know just shut off defenders because one, one thing we saw going back to last year is a lot of these guys would go down on first contact and that's not really the case with collins he, he you know he's got really strong lower body and kind of break some of those tackles and, and continue to run and that's what we saw in that that 58 yard run not quite the same thing, but uh, the other option could have been the trick play pass to Lewerke, who said after the game that he tried to jump through the defense. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you make of that? Yeah, that, that was certainly an interesting comment. Um, I think It looked like he did not know quite what to do, and he kind of just jumped up. And I don't know if you want your quarterback taking a hit like that. Right, so... Basically, what happened was, you know, he was at the, I want to say the four yard line, got caught the pass from Daryl Stewart, and just kind of leapt with two defenders next to him. And I, he, yeah, he said he was trying to go through them, but I, it's like, dude, are you trying to score from there? <laughs> that was that was interesting. But hey, you know, he didn't get hurt. He's healthy. I think they'll take that. If he had jumped through two defenders, maybe that would have been the. How did he do that play of the game? Yep. So now, now, okay, so. Last week we had the Kirk Cousins oh no moment of the game. Got a lot of negative feedback about that. Yeah, I explain. I explained why, and I still defend the reasons why. <laughs> in that Kirk Cousins frequently threw interceptions at the worst possible times. Notre Dame in 2009, Iowa 2010 before halftime, 2011 Notre Dame had one late in the outback ball that he made up for. But I understand why associating Kirk Cousins with the negative play uh, upset some folks. He is probably the most accomplished quarterback in school history. So we have changed this weekly award. It is now the John L. Smith screwing it up moment of the game. And my choice is Lewerke's interception. He was rolling out to his right, threw across his body, got tipped twice and, and picked off by Western Michigan. That, that play is the old Brian Lewerke that – you don't want to see the one who is very turnover prone because he just throws a ball into traffic when he shouldn't do that, a bad decision. Uh, he mostly made good decisions in this game. That was a really bad one. That's my choice for the John L. Smith screwing it up moment of the game. Colton, do you have, uh, do you have one? You know, honestly, I, I might go with Lewerke's reception on this one. Um, I don't know if we can double up, but I'm going to. We're making our own rules as we go. Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of tweeted you, out. You, you, you think you, so? You think he should have just tried to get out of bounds? I, I do, and I, I kind of tweeted this in the moment. Like, is it really the best idea to run the what I believe a variation of the Philly special uh, to your quarterback who spent the entire basically the entire season like struggling to lift his arm above his shoulder and you know making standard passes that he said he could make over the years so 
I, I don't know. Maybe it's more in the worky, you know, just get out of bounds. Don't try to jump through two defenders. <laughs> um, and I wouldn't really say you screwed anything up. It's just, you know, being more cautious out there and, and kind of taking care of your body. Um, it's only week two. They're going to need them. And lastly, we have the Mike Sadler punt of the game. There is only one option this week. It was a 42-yard punt by Jake Hartberger that Western Michigan muffed and MSU recovered. So that was uh, another positive for Jake Hartberger. I actually missed this. I was going down to the field um, for like the last five minutes of the game. And, I, of, of course, I just look up on the TV and I see MSU gets the ball back after that. Um, that was just kind of how the night went. Everything bounced their way that, that, that game. So, yeah. And... So th- this was my biggest problem with what MSU did. It's not the screwing it up moment of the game, but it's those uniforms. I do not like them in person. I get what they're going for. I think the biggest problem is the white stripe on the helmet while you have the neon logo. It's it just it clashes. Just if you make that neon, I think the rest of it like at least flows well. It just it doesn't fit what they're doing i i assume the the numbers are not neon because i think ncaa rules say you kind of have to have a contrasting color so i get if those have to be white but the white and the neon and the regular green just mixing together was just a huge problem for me i even don't even mind the giant state across the front i do think that uniform would actually look pretty nice if it was just the regular green and white colors uh but colton you you saw them in person. You were the one who had to blind your eyes while you were there. What did you think of those jerseys? Chris, uh, can I be honest for a second? Of course. I, I was low-key feeling the neon. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, look, like the pants were atrocious. I think that's the worst part. The, the lime green pants that just kind of pop like that. Those are the, that's the, the, st- the thing that blinds you. Um, and, and then the state is just obnoxiously big. I, I can't help but think about the uh, the John Mulaney happy birthday bit when I when I see them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, I love that. Is, that is my favorite uh, bit of his. Look it up, John Mulaney writing happy birthday on a sign. You write your letters too big, and by the time you get to the end, you have to make them smaller. <laughs> Although they do fit on the jersey, they don't exactly fit on the jersey. But yeah. anyway, but um, I I will say you know. They did look better under the lights, as, as a lot of people said they would. Um, you know, the team dropped a 50-burger in them. I, I think that tends to help. Uh, and I have a feeling they grew on a lot of people Saturday night, um, myself included. So, Is this all because they won and played well, though? I, not for me. I, I, I agree. They, they looked better under the lights. That was the biggest thing for me. And You see them on a mannequin, which is, like, not an actual body in any way, like the, the ones they have in the football building. It, it looks terrible, and, you know, I think you do have to sort of project and say, okay, moving around, under the lights, maybe they'll look different. And and to me, they did. And, you know, players liked them. Kenny said that, that he was all for them. Uh, a couple of other guys were, were in favor of the jerseys. So, I, I obviously, putting up 51 points and the most points you've scored in a game since 2015, the night you happen to be wearing those jerseys for the first time, I think, I think that helps. Uh, but, you know, I, I just think they tend to – Tend to grew on, on on people last night. So, so they the basketball team wore neon all it was straight up all neon a couple years ago against Maryland and they won and so therefore people don't really want them back but they don't have uh, terrible feelings about them. Uh, do you think we'll see them again? 
I do. Um, maybe not this season. Uh, maybe late in the season, if anything. But I think you got to let him breathe for a little bit. <laughs> People are all neoned out at this point. Okay. I hope we don't. But that's going to be. <laughs> I hope we do. So, uh, don't have time to get to questions this week. We got a few of them. We will uh, try to get that Thursday. We will be back Thursday to preview Arizona State. Uh, we're hoping to have the athletics uh, Doug Holler on. He covers Arizona State for the athletics. Uh, the athletics, so check his stuff out. Uh, that'll do it here for us. Uh, again, please rate, review, subscribe. Give us any feedback uh, anywhere, including on Twitter. Uh, we appreciate that feedback because we're still trying to work on this uh, as we get to go. So for Colton Pouncey, I'm Chris Vanini. Thanks to our producer, Mike Zimmerman. Shout out to the Road Dog, Jesse James, and we will talk to you all later.